Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. An hour down, three to go on Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. I'm Michelle Smallman, and we have to get the hourly wellness check, I guess we can say, on our guy Andre Snellings here. He is drinking a large coffee, I believe, and he was telling us earlier in the show that coffee impacts him the way alcohol impacts others. So, Andre, an hour in, how how far down have we made it on the coffee cup and how are we feeling? Um, about two-thirds of the way through the cup. And um, y'all don't understand how hard I am, like, reining it in right now. I was just dancing way too hard to that 99 problems. Like, it's, it's I'm in here right now trying not to cornholio, like, in front of everybody. I'm, I'm trying to trying to keep it cool like Fonzie. We are on an energy roller coaster here on Canteen Carlin. I love that you're drinking coffee because it's a, it's a fun thing to monitor your energy levels throughout the show. For people uh, to give a little peek behind the scenes, Andre was fully wrapping Outcast during the breaks. I mean, he is bringing it today. So feel free to to take that to air anytime, okay, my friend? Hey, you know what? Uh, you, you don't have to do much to get me to wrap uh, Outcast, Three Stacks, and Big Boy, but. Um, you know, I, I think they do it better than me, so maybe it's better is kept off the air. <laughs> All right. Well, let's pivot to the NFL. We will be checking in with Andre to get a, a caffeine check throughout the show. But the NFL Network, Andre, shared their NFL Top 100. And this list is voted on by their peers. It's voted on by other NFL players. And within that list, they have the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL. So I'm going to give you the entirety of the list from 1 to 10 of the top 10 quarterbacks in the NFL as voted by their peers. We'll start with number 10. Checking in at number 10, Lamar Jackson, who comes in at number 72 overall. Number 9, Jared Goff, above Lamar Jackson, number 66 overall. Dak Prescott at 8, number 56 overall. Aaron Rodgers, bottom 5 of the top 10, number 51 overall. And Kirk Cousins checking in at number 6. He's number 42 overall. So before we go 5-1, to one, any comments, concerns, or objections <laughs> from 6 to 10? Yeah, I mean, so first of all, I don't know whether to start with Rodgers at 7 and Jackson at 10 or Cousins at 6 and Golf at 9. Like, yeah. like, like th- th- those two, th- those four players, I feel like are not in the order that I would have them. I think that Aaron Rodgers, of course, he's coming off of not a great season for him, but he was the MVP both years before that. He was injured last season. Mm-hmm. He, he he didn't fall off a cliff. So for him to be at seven behind Kirk Cousins is like a huge eyebrow raise to me. And Lamar Jackson at 10, yes, again, he's had quote-unquote injuries the last couple of years. He also was in a big contract dispute that's now settled. He also was MVP not that long ago, and he's still in his 20s. So for him to be behind a few of the names on this list, I think is just, you know, wild. I am so with you. Those are the same things that I flagged when looking at 6 through 10. 
Lamar being at 10 below Jared Goff was very surprising to me. And yes, I know that he has dealt with injuries, but I just assume that his peers would look at the athleticism, at the skill set, at at the resume, the fact that he's already won MVP and what he's been able to do and that he would have been higher on the list. And I know Jared Goff had a, a, a bounce back season. He is really thriving in a new environment in Detroit and he's been to a Super Bowl. So I, I understand why he would be in the top 10, but I didn't think that, that their peers would vote Jared Goff above Lamar. Dak, I think, is the only one that I kind of assumed would be right there at that number eight slot. Aaron Rodgers, again, coming off a down season. As you mentioned, he was dealing with the injury. He was very unhappy with his situation. He still has won multiple MVPs and a Super Bowl and is one of the greatest throwers of the football ever. So I just thought his peers would vote him higher. And Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins seems to be like, your quarterback's favorite quarterback that isn't a top five quarterback, if that makes sense. <laughs> like, guys in the league are always talking about how Kirk Cousins is underrated. You you heard Patrick Mahomes mention that recently when he was talking about their Netflix series quarterback, about how Kirk Cousins is a guy who's always prepared, he's really tough, and he consistently puts up the production. But to see Kirk Cousins' name above the likes of Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson, that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, I mean, so... Let me be clear. Both Cousins and Golf, I think, are good quarterbacks. You know, yes. Cousins, I agree he's underrated. Golf, you know, that that's actually a, a name in my family, so maybe he's my fourth cousin. I don't know. <laughs> um, but and, and the fact that it's the players that did the rankings to me is an interesting subplot because if you talk to each one of them players individually and they were keeping it real, they know when they're preparing for the game on Sunday – if they've got Lamar Jackson that they're preparing for or they've got Jared Goff or Kirk Cousins they're preparing for, there is a whole nother level of preparation and fear surrounding the Lamar Jackson week. And, and if it's the fourth quarter of the game and one of these quarterbacks, that Aaron Rodgers has the ball or Kirk Cousins has the ball, they have an endi- entirely different pit feeling in the pit of their stomach. So I'm not sure I really buy that even the players really feel this way. Well, let's go from number five to number one. Checking in at number five, the $262.5 million man, Justin Herbert, who checked in at number 32 overall. Josh Allen, number four. He's number eight overall. Joe Burrow, number three. He's number six overall in the NFL's top 100. Jalen Hurts was ranked by his peers, voted on by other NFL players, as the second-best quarterback in the NFL, number three overall in the NFL's top 100. And I don't think it's any surprise at all that Patrick Mahomes is number one in the quarterbacks and number one overall. His peers think he is the best player in the NFL. One through five, your observations, Andre. (laughs) I mean, of course, elephant in the room. I'm the Bengals fan. Everybody knows it. Um, So Burrow being at three behind Hertz does catch my eye because I personally feel like Burrow is in the top two players at any position in the NFL, but especially top two among quarterbacks. But that's how I feel. I'm a Bengals guy. Um, I think that even setting the the fandom aside, I think that his record should have him in that top two. But at the same token, as a Bengals fan, it doesn't bother me that they don't they don't put him there. I I would rather have him ranked number six overall and number three on this list now and, you know, competing for and hopefully hoisting the Lombardi in a few months than to be, you know, pulling hair out that he should be higher on this particular list and then have it not play out on the field. So it doesn't bother me, even though I do really feel like Burrow should be higher. 
I would love to get the reasoning, the rationale from players who voted Hurts over Burrow. And Jalen Hurts, make no mistake, is a stud. He had an unbelievable season last year. Had he not gotten injured and missed those final two games of the season, I think we're talking about Jalen Hurts, comma, MVP. Um, He went to the Super Bowl, had a great performance in the Super Bowl. He deserves to be high on this list. But he only has done it really for one season. And I am just, maybe this is exactly what, the players were thinking is based on exactly what we saw last season. The last image I have of quarterback playing the NFL, I'm having Patrick Mahomes, number one, Jalen Hurts, number two. But I would just, based in totality, the overall resume, assume that they would place Joe Burrow over Jalen Hurts. Um, But yeah, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, Patrick Mahomes, that's who I think most of us would consider the top five to be. If you're not putting Aaron Rodgers in there for everything he's done in totality. Yeah, I mean, so I, uh, that where you ended, I, I, I think I would have Rodgers uh, up in my top five and, and probably Lamar Jackson, if not in the top five, knocking on the door. Yeah. But I do think there's a clear gap. If you look at this list, right, from Mahomes to Allen, one through four on the list, we're one through eight overall. And then there's like a line. It's a gap. And then you got to jump down into the 30s for where they have Herbert. So I think there's probably a pretty clear hierarchy of the top four quarterbacks in the league right now. I'm actually really happy for Jalen Hurts that he's in this conversation now. I remember going into last season, there was a question if he was even going to keep the job in Philadelphia beyond that one year. So I'm happy that he's up there now. And I think it's that group and then kind of everybody else. What does it say about the state of the NFL that the top five quarterbacks are age 27 and below? Oh, yeah. Because I, I, who is the oldest one? Patrick, Mah- Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, I believe, are both 27. You have such unbelievable young talent at the quarterback position in the NFL. NFL, we were talking about this a couple of days ago, and I want to get your take on it, Andre. Okay. Has it even crossed your mind that this is going to be our first full season without Tom Brady in the NFL? Because when LeBron leaves the NBA— we are going to be talking about a big gap. There's going to be a void left when LeBron isn't in the NFL. Tom Brady is the best quarterback to ever do it. He's He's got it all. He was the main talking point for so many years. And in his first full season, not playing the game, we've barely even discussed it. We've barely even brought up his name. Yeah. And I think it has to do with these five guys – Well, the whole list, but really when you just think about these young, exciting quarterbacks that have taken over, we don't miss the next guy. There's there's a passing of of the baton, but these guys are so firmly entrenched and in place. The game is just in such a great place. It really is. So first of all, I always have to give a shout out to Brady. He and I were at the University of Michigan in the athletic program in the same year. He's actually a little bit older than me. And if I tried to fit into my old uniform, it would explode, whereas he was still playing at the highest levels of the NFL. So I got to give that man a shout out. But it's different in the NFL than the NBA because LeBron, in addition to his accolades and the things that he's accomplished, uh, his team accomplishments, he also does things on the basketball court that we never really seen anybody else do. And football is not really like that, especially at the quarterback. Like, Brady's considered the GOAT because he's able to lead his team to so many championships. But it's not like he's out there spinning the ball like we've never seen. You know, Rodgers probably has the biggest throw. And and, and Mahomes, uh, his creativity is something that we've never seen before. So I think that's part of why we're not talking about Brady so much anymore is because there are so many players out there doing things visually at the level 
of Brady or maybe even higher. And so we don't really feel like we're missing anything outside of the fact that he's not playing for the Super Bowl every year. Do you think it's also because Brady has a clear successor in Patrick Mahomes? Yes, you have Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, these other guys that are knocking on the door. But you have a young stud quarterback that is the face of the NFL who's won multiple championships and could potentially be in a position to match Brady's output when this is all said and done. Whereas when LeBron leaves, who is he passing the baton to? There's there's so much talent and star power in the NBA, but there's not that one person. The way it was Jordan to Kobe, Kobe LeBron, like there's no one person that we are going to look at after LeBron leaves to say he's going to be able to try to match what LeBron has done or what Jordan has done. Yeah, and and that's both as a player, you know, what he's able to do on the court, which, you know, is kind of what I was trying to allude to a second ago, but also on the charisma factor. Yeah. The, you know, like the, the layout that you just described in the NBA, you know, it would be a whole different argument. But I'm not sure I would agree that those are necessarily the best players in each of those different epochs. But as far as charisma and magnetism and being bigger than the game, then, yeah, it is kind of MJ to Kobe to LeBron and and there's not somebody with that level of of gravitas and mm-hmm. that, that everybody just knows is the next uh, greatest in the NBA. Whereas in the NFL, yeah, Mahomes is already doing his thing. He's not only got in his first five seasons accomplishments that would put him on the street of, of, of potentially competing with somebody like Brady on the accomplishments level. But he also has a game that's so fun to watch. It's yeah. like Steph Curry and Magic Johnson had a baby and he played football, <laughs> you know? And, and so, like, that itself, and he's now on every commercial. He, he's the, the person that you think of when you think of the NFL. And, yeah, it makes it easier to move on from the previous generation when the next generation has someone that catches the eye like that. He's Andre Snellings. I'm Michelle Smallman. You're listening to Canteen Carlin here on ESPN Radio. The phone lines are blowing up over this topic. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. If you would like to weigh in on the conversation, we're talking about the NFL Network's top 10 quarterbacks within the NFL's top 100. And again, this is voted on by their peers, by NFL players. Let's go to Jason in New York, who wants to talk about Jalen Hurts. Welcome to the show, Jason. Hi, how's it going? Good. What do you have for us? So I have to kind of disagree with the statement of Jalen Hurts and it's only being one season of what he's proven that he can do. It's actually been two seasons, even though he didn't start, wasn't the starter from the very beginning of the season, he still outplayed everybody's expectations and has proven that he is an NFL quarterback for two seasons now. And the fact that his peers see that and we don't, I kind of find disturbing. I'm not even an Eagles fan at all. I'm a Buffalo Bills fan, and I say Jalen Hurts is the second-best quarterback in the league right now. Thanks for the call, Jason. So he sees Jalen Hurts as number two. Yeah, I mean, and that's fair because, again, as you pointed out, Jalen probably would have been the MVP last year, mm-hmm. and I think it would have been deserved. So I'm I'm happy that, that he's in this conversation. I think if I was trying to make a case for Burrow, who we were talking about, it would be that that, that guy just said, well, Hurts has proven that he's an NFL quarterback and then he had a great season. Whereas if you look at the the last three full years that Joe Burrow has been healthy, you know, mm-hmm. he, he got hurt his rookie year. But in his last three full years that he's been healthy, he had arguably the greatest college football season we've ever seen. 
Then he came to the Bengals, who, despite them being my team, have a history <laughs> that nobody would want for their favorite team. And he came in and completely turned that whole thing around. They've been in the Super Bowl and the AFC Championship the last two years, battling head-to-head with Mahomes and the Chiefs, who we look at as a potential dynasty with arguably the best player in, in, in the world. And he's got the Bengals believing that they're on that level based on his level of play. So, I mean, I think you can make the case for Burrow. But again, I'd much rather him be three now and, and one in, in February. 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Let's take another call. Joe Wow is in Hartford and is joining us. Joe, Joe Wow, what a name. Welcome to Canty and Carlin. Good afternoon, guys. How you guys doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing fine. Thank you. This is a very interesting topic, and I'm not going to lie. It kind of hits home for me. And why is that? Um, I'm an Eagles fan. I'm an Eagles fan, and okay. I just can't believe the Herbert hype. <laughs> uh, I, I can't believe it. I mean, just, he's like a YouTube highlight quarterback. You know, like he looks good here and there, but I bet he don't play defense. He shouldn't have lost that game last year. And nobody questioned him getting his money. Nobody questioned that, but everybody else got a question mark. And Herbert was like, okay, he deserves it. Like, good for him. I, I was not a fan of that. Um, I agree with the previous caller as well. Um, Hurts and Burrow got to be neck and neck. There's no reason why one is above the other. He, this guy has had um, Chase the last six years of his career, including college. You know, so. You yeah, but a lot of guys have tape in college and it doesn't translate to the NFL. Right, Andre? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, you know, it, it, his point about Herbert is interesting because I would also agree that of the top five, he's the one that I could easily make a case that he's not a top five quarterback in the AFC, let alone overall. Right. He's Andre Snellings. I'm Michelle Smallman. You're listening to Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio. And ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Coming up next, we're going to switch things up, talk about the ever-changing landscape in college football. The ACC has begun discussing Cal and Stanford as additions. Is there any chance the conference can add Notre Dame, too? We'll discuss it next. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Indeed, it does feel like geography does not matter in this new age of the ever-changing landscape of college football and conference realignment. Alongside Andre Snellings, I'm Michelle Smallman, Canteen Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and Sirius XM Channel 80. Let's talk about this very topic with our ESPN college football reporter, David Hale, who joins us now. And David, the latest news is that ACC presidents met this morning for an exploratory call on Cal and Stanford joining the conference. A vote wasn't taken, and the league is still evaluating the potential decision. What's the latest that you can tell us about Cal and Stanford and the ACC and when you expect a deal to potentially be done? Yeah, so a little bit of this is is not really new. Um, Yes, ADs uh, met last night, presidents this morning, to discuss in more detail. But these conversations have been going on for a while as the ACC has monitored the fate of the Pac-12. It's only as that conference deteriorated over the last week or so that those conversations really ratcheted up. The numbers that the ACC had run on all of these schools, and I'm talking about like Oregon and Washington as well, basically told them there is not a financial rationale to expand to the West Coast, that it would not move the needle enough to make it valuable for the league. But value has sort of changed a little bit. I think there's there's a few things at play. The first is that uh, the ACC realizes it is losing the PR battle Right now, you look at somebody like the the Big 12, which has been adding exponentially, and a league that seemed like it was circling the drain just a year or two ago now feels like it has a solid foundation and a bright future. The ACC, meanwhile, uh, is just dealing with its one of its signature programs basically begging out uh, with what Florida State has said over the last few weeks. So I think a little bit of this, and I've talked to several ADs who've said, like, Maybe the math doesn't add up to to say that it's an obvious financial windfall to add, but I think there's value in it beyond money. And so I think those voices have gotten a little bit louder. And then with that, you look at the deal that Oregon and Washington uh, just made with the Big Ten, and the Big Ten's basically getting them off the clearance rack. They're they're getting them at about 40 cents on the dollar for what the rest of the Big Ten is being paid in TV money. And I think the ACC has to wonder, well, would Cal and Stanford be interested in something that is less than a full share? Because if that's the case, then there is much more of a financial upside to doing this. Um, Will it happen? I still think it's very much up in the air. My uh, sources, the latest I've heard is that it's not particularly close. I think there are some folks within the ACC who are a little frustrated that, that this is kind of where the conversations are now when some of this might have gone better about adding more schools from the West Coast in a more valuable deal uh, a few weeks ago. But, you know, this is sort of where we're at in college football. The the landscape seems to be changing by the hour. (laughs) Hey, David, I I wasn't prepared for you to use that off the clearance rack line. But but, um, so... It's the only time anyone will refer to Stanford as a clearance rack. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. So long ago, like last millennium, I was an athlete in the ACC. I ran track for Georgia Tech. That's a non-revenue sport. 
But most of our track meets at the time were relatively local, right? They'd be in Clemson or at Florida or Virginia. So I'm curious, what's the science behind this would work, uh, bringing these uh, California schools into the ACC, which actually stands for Atlantic, not Pacific, but particularly how would this work for non-revenue generating sports if the athletes had to regularly compete thousands of miles away? Yeah, look, you bring up a very obvious issue. Um, I mean, it's right there in the name, Atlantic Coast Conference, right? (laughs) Like that pretty much should give you the answer. I I think that this is one of the biggest reasons that, um, A, these conversations did not escalate sooner, and B, I'm still very dubious that it'll happen at all. I've talked to several ADs that are, are sort of powerful voices or significant influential voices within those rooms who are pretty dead set against this as a plan, um, barring some sort of, uh, you know, argument that, that really can't be, can't be denied. But, yeah, I mean, look, Jim Phillips, of all of the commissioners, has been uh, the most vocal in championing some sort of old-school college athleticism model, right? I mean, he got a lot of flack last year at ACC kickoff for giving his speech about gated communities and how, you know, conferences should not be expanding like this that, that, that influences or, or minimizes opportunities for student-athletes. Like, he has been the one, if anything, to his detriment to talk about the overall value of the college experience, not just for football players, but for everyone. And so it would be a real turnabout to go and do something like this now that would so clearly have negative repercussions, not just for the athletes within the ACC who have to make that trip and Believe me, getting from like Blacksburg, Virginia Hmm. to Berkeley, California is not a pleasant (laughs) trip. But, you know, look at look at it from Stanford and Cal side, too, in that um, there's still 14 ACC teams that are at least relatively coastally uh, on the same page. These two would be off on an island, basically, and have to be making every trip. I mean, again, good luck getting to Blacksburg and Tallahassee and Clemson, some of these places that are not easy to get to, even for those of us who are kind of close. He's our ESPN college football reporter, David Hale, joining us on Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio. And David, you mentioned Florida State. We're talking about um, schools wanting to join the ACC. What about schools that are in the conversation about leaving the ACC? What are you hearing about the future of Florida State and Clemson? I don't know a whole lot of folks who are optimistic that by the time we get to I won't even say the end of this grant of rights period, which runs through 2036, but I think just by the end of this decade that Florida State and Clemson will still be a part of the ACC. I think, as Florida State very rightly pointed out last week during the Board of Trustees meetings, the math doesn't work. They're getting lapped by um, regional peers in the Big Ten and the SEC from a financial standpoint, and that simply can't stand. Um, But the problem is, what do you do about it? And right now, they do not have an option to go somewhere else, largely because of this grant of rights deal. So it will be ugly and expensive and uh, a really unpleasant experience to get out of that grant of rights. But barring some sort of miracle pulling a rabbit out of a hat by Jim Phillips to find a way to, to lessen that revenue gap significantly between now and whatever drop-dead date Florida State and Clemson see on the horizon, I don't know how it ends in any other way than they, you know, hire better lawyers and try to get out of a grant of rights that seems uh, pretty ironclad right now. Okay, so 
Um, quick question, about a minute. Um, what's the chances that Notre Dame uh, finally makes a decision on moving to a conference? <laughs> I don't think there's a lot of likelihood, but I have, as I was told about uh, Florida State and their potential, uh, the Big Ten's potential appetite for adding Florida State, um, I think the Big Ten would prioritize Notre Dame over anyone else right now. They have a very good offer to put on the table. They are already partners with NBC. Maybe there is some possibility of that happening. I think it's probably more likely than it has been in a long, long time, but I still wouldn't go so far as to say that it's particularly likely. Great information from our ESPN College Football reporter, David Hale. David, thanks so much for the time. We appreciate it. No problem. Thanks for having me. He's Andre Snellings. I'm Michelle Smallman. And coming up next on Canty and Carlin, our ESPN Radio NFL Two-A-Days rolls along. We're going to take a look at the Los Angeles Chargers. Does Brandon Staley need to make the playoffs to save his job? We'll answer that question next. Keep it here on ESPN Radio. This is the Canty and Carlin Podcast. It is time to take a look at the Los Angeles Chargers as our ESPN Radio NFL Two-A-Days rolls on. I'm Michelle Smallman alongside Andre Snellings. You're listening to Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio. And Andre, let's start there with the $262.5 million man in Justin Herbert. As we just heard Lindsay Theory say, Justin Herbert looking to take that next step with this Chargers offense. They bring in a new offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore. He's trying to utilize Herbert's big arm. They're trying to make this offense more explosive. But when you look at Justin Herbert, he's already gotten paid like a top five quarterback. But do you think he has played so far like a top five quarterback? First of all, I got to pause. Two hundred and sixty-two million dollars. That's more than point a quarter- five. Point five. Point five. Don't forget the point five. I'll take the point five. Send it my way. Right. More than a quarter of a billion dollars. All right. Um, yeah. So like the caller said, actually, um, a, a segment or two ago, he's got all of the measurables. He had that coming into the draft. And then as he's played, he has the highlights. You know, he's got the big arm and he'll have big passing numbers. But so far, that hasn't translated into the kinds of wins that the Chargers have been looking for. So I do think that he has potential. I think that they had to pay him that money. Um, but I do. I am not sure that I would have him as a top five overall quarterback in the NFL based on what he's done so far. Uh, again, I think it would be a. I could make a, a a strong case that he's not top five in the AFC alone, let alone in the NFL overall. I think that he is right there, but I would need him to have more playoff success to put him in the top five. But I know the counter argument there is. Was it Justin Herbert that didn't allow the Chargers to advance in the playoffs? Or was it their head coach, Brandon Staley? Mm -hmm. And so when you look at this season, one of the storylines certainly surrounds the Chargers head coach, Brandon Staley. Do you think he needs to make make and succeed in the playoffs in order for him to save his job? Because he was obviously one of the big talking points last year. Definitely. (laughs) Right? Staley absolutely has to make the playoffs. And he has to do well in the playoffs because just making the playoffs might not be enough. It was honestly a little surprising that he surprised that he that he survived that collapse against the Jags. Oh, and um, by the way, just just to refresh, they blew a twenty seven point lead a versus the Jags. Let's let's not, let's like yes, it's a collapse. You're right, but a twenty seven point lead. Okay. Yeah, I mean, and and is against the Jags team with oh by the way another young gun quarterback in Trevor Lawrence that mm-hmm. you could argue uh, should be right there with Herbert. But but I digress. Um, but yeah, Staley. 
I just remember Stephen A. Smith going off every time Staley's name is mentioned. You know, like, how did he keep his job? Right. And so, and, and we talked in, on this show about other coaches that are qualified that are just waiting for their opportunity. So, yeah, Staley has to get them to the playoffs, and I think they better win around. So, one thing when I think about the Chargers, the question is concerns facing them. We know that the offense is explosive. We know that they brought in Kellen Moore to make it even more explosive. Can the defensive side of the ball keep up? I think that we focus so much on on quarterbacks in the NFL, and we we focus so much on the offense and offensive weapons that we oftentimes don't put enough stock into the defense. And mm-hmm. that's the concern I have for the Chargers, is the defense keeping up with the offense. No, that's a great point. And as we just pointed out, for a team to give up a 27-point lead, the offense has done their job. You know, it's the defense that was not able to get off the field and allowed, you know, the comeback to happen. So I do agree that that's an area of concern for me. For me, I mean, for me, though, the biggest concern facing the Chargers is injuries and quicksand. You know, Mm -hmm. last year, injuries, especially on, on the wide receiver core, that really impacted how they were able to develop as the season went along. And I think might be played a part in them not being where they wanted to be by the end. I think they made moves to try to uh, uh, address that this offseason, uh, particularly by drafting Quentin, Quentin Johnston and, and bringing in Kellen Moore as a new OC. But I, I think that that the questions about injuries are, are, are really going to be something that are going to plague the Chargers until they show they can have a healthy season. And then with quicksand, I don't know if you remember the movie The Replacements with Keanu Reeves. Sure. You know, there was a question in there, well, what's the thing you're most scared of? And Keanu Reeves says quicksand. And the other players are like, oh, yeah, you can fall in and that's bad. But what he meant by quicksand was when one thing goes wrong, then the next thing goes wrong, then the next thing goes wrong, and it just snowballs. When you're a team like the Chargers that's been a hit away for so long – I feel like it's a little more fragile, so they can't afford to have a sequence of things go wrong because it could push everything off the rails. So what does success look like for the Los Angeles Chargers, in your opinion? They went 10-7 and last year, went to the playoffs, but as we mentioned, they blew that 27-point lead to the Jaguars. It was a rough ending for them. So what is success for the Chargers? Yeah, I think that they have to be legitimately challenging the Chiefs to win the West. The, the, the Chiefs are the clear favorites, and even if the Chiefs win the West, I think the Chargers have to be right there pushing them to the end in the regular season. But then more importantly, once the playoffs begin, they got to win at least one round. If, 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 they, yeah. if they win a round, you can make the argument they're moving in the right direction. If not, then it's just the same old, same old. And what is it? If, if you're not growing, then you're dying. And, and right now, that's the risk. We're in lockstep, Andre. I feel the exact same way. Not only do you have to make the playoffs, you have to win in the playoffs. You have to absolve yourself of last year's disaster in the playoffs. Even if you don't win more than one game, you at least have to make it close and feel like the arrow is pointing up. That's that's Mm -hmm. what I would determine success to be for the Chargers this year. He is Andre Snellings. I'm Michelle Smallman. You're listening to ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance, Canty and Carlin. And coming up next... We'll tell you about one NFL head coach that's not only talking the talk, but he's walking the walk as well. Andre, love that tease. We're going to find out who it is next. (laughs) Keep it right here on Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80. And you can always join the conversation by getting in 888-SAY-ESPN. That's 888-729-3776. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.